another TMG interview, everybody. My name is Paul Preston. I'm excited to talk about another indie film today. The heart of American cinema. This is called What Lies West, a coming-of-age film available now all over the VOD. So that's YouTube, that's Google Play, Amazon, iTunes, you name it, the whole deal. And the filmmaker I'm talking to now is writer-director Jessica Ellis. Jessica Ellis. Hi, Paul. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to, to get to talk to you. Right. Well, then I'll let you lead the way because uh, I could tell people what the film is about, but I always like the filmmaker to do it because they'll touch on the things that are most important to them in terms of describing what the story is and what it means. So uh, I love the tagline. What's the best that can happen? I'm going to start working that into my daily vernacular, like uh, alongside, I've told you a million times not to exaggerate. I say that a lot, but um, tell us about Nicolette and Chloe. So uh, What Lies West is a coming of age adventure film um, about Nicolette, who's a new college graduate, who's in that period where you're a little bit lost and don't know what to do in your life. And she takes a summer job babysitting a 16 year old whose mother won't let her stay at home alone. And that's Chloe, um, who's very reclusive, defensive, passionate, uh, and they're very different people. And sort of as they are forced together, they they start to bond as they're taking longer and longer hikes together with Chloe finally revealing that uh, her dream is to take a multi-day hike to the Pacific Ocean uh, without her mom knowing. Um, and and that's, that's the story we follow them on. Yeah, I, let me tell you uh, before we start how I spent the pandemic. Yeah, everything was closed, but outdoors was open. So eight national parks, um, I wrote it down. Two of them twice, 12 beaches, 11 botanical gardens, plus forests, parks, tons of bike paths, river rafting, orchards, and waterfall hikes. Wow. So I get the idea of you need to get out and walk it off, whatever it is. In my case, it's a pandemic. In Chloe's case, it's a sort of stifling childhood under her mother's anxiety-driven uh, care. Um, but I, And I was surprised. I, I didn't see tons of people everywhere and everything that I did, you know, with, with the pandemic. And uh, thank God I didn't. So <laughs> now you grew up in Sonoma County. So did you have this uh, brush with the uh, anxiety in your family or listlessness in general? And uh, was that part of your youth? Yeah, uh, anxiety disorders sort of run in my family. Uh, I, I didn't escape either. I have one too. Um, so it was something that I grew up and I got to see it it affecting younger generations as their parents or, or aunts and uncles and grandparents would have anxiety about things. I would watch how like kids would soak that in and react in various various ways, as you do with any trait that your parent has. Um, so definitely, I, I had a pretty carefree childhood, but definitely as I've, I've gotten older, the anxiety has set in more. I think it tends to hit my family around 30. Um, so it was definitely an environment that I am used to living in and wanted to try to depict accurately to my experience of how anxiety disorders look in my family. Yeah, and shout out to Anna Peterson. Who yeah, Anna Peterson. Mother. Uh, a very tricky and uh, well-delivered performance because she comes aboard and she's so high-strung and so wound tight that there's laughs, uncomfortable ones, but there's laughs. And then as you go along, you realize, well, Chloe is not happy in this situation, that, that you realize just how sort of smothering uh, her mother is. So it was a delicate balance, I thought, for her to pull off that performance. So kudos to her. 
And yeah, I'm surprised she, her IMDb page wasn't bigger. I was like, wow, she just got like a handful of performances. I hope she gets a lot more off of this. Yeah, we were really lucky to find Anna. She just came in and blew us away in casting and, and we we loved her. And, you know, it, it is, it's such a hard role to play because she's not an abusive mother. She's not a mean or cruel person, but she has an, a completely unmanaged anxiety disorder that has taken over her brain at this point. And she can't determine what is rational fear and what is irrational fear. And unfortunately her, her daughter, I think as, as many parents have a lot more anxiety surrounding their kids that is gonna bear the brunt of that. And so to play that in a way that was not, that was, I mean, cause it is funny. Like I will have phobias about things that are absurd and I know they're absurd. And, and, and I've had to talk down siblings and stuff from panic attacks over things they know are absurd. And you do learn that it's a double-edged sword of, it is kind of funny, but it's, it's also very difficult for the person experiencing it. Even if they can rationalize, like they can rationally recognize that what they're feeling is not probably happening they can't get past the fear and that's what makes it a, a disorder it's it's not reacting to reality yeah i should say the film is the same way is that we're talking about you know we've already launched into like a sort of heavy reason like chloe wants to take this hike but it is funny yeah fact, it's a very I, light movie yeah. it's just got <laughs> it's got some real emotional punch to it i i hope yeah it, it i'm on team chloe too for a lot of the laughs because of the way she just rips on the whole phone culture and social media uh thing in fact it's a uh, necessary evil you know for the movie guys i post i have to to get the word out about all the stuff i'm doing here but uh you know i just love the fact that they mentioned was it kylie or kendall jenner and <laughs> chloe's immediate without thought about it response she's dumb yeah <laughs> It was on it point, was I think. It was interesting. <laughs> I don't know how many, you know, kind of analog kids there are anymore. I've got to think there's there's got to be a few Chloe's out there. But in a way, Chloe was transported much more from from the late 90s when I was growing up when technology was an option. It wasn't a requirement of life. Um, but I, I hope there are kids still out there like that that are not completely living on Instagram and TikTok at all hours, at all times. I like to say it's interesting to live in the times of the smartphone, but mm -hmm. I think it was much more interesting to grow up in the times of the development of the smartphone. Uh, you know, you get to have that sort of childhood without all the FOMO and the whatever else, the hell else is going on. Um, and then get the advances of, oh, instant information as you grow older and become an adult. But yeah, just watching uh, Nicolette, she's in the, in the film going to become an actress. So she wants to go off to LA after she graduates college, which just happened in the film. And, but her, her, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Her rabid desire to take part in the social media culture, you know, as a, thinking this will help my career as an actor. Sadly, a true fact. Now, you know, social media numbers are all over resumes for actors and you yeah. get hired based on that. But uh, she has so much faith in social media image consultants. It's kind of gross. In your it film. is, but she's not wrong. That's the thing. I know, so, I know. Yeah. So yeah. Nicolette is, is the older character in the film and she is, she, it, the, her phone is never out of her hand. Like anytime she would come up to me when we were shooting and be like, do I have my phone in the scene? Yes. You always have your phone. You know, you, your phone is in your hand at every single moment. Um, and yeah, I mean, now you can't get considered for roles unless you have, you know, 30,000 followers on Instagram and, and, and it, it's, 
she's not wrong that that's a necessity, but it does definitely suck that it is. I've always wanted to like book a gig up at, uh, you know, some venue and, and go up to them and say, hey, look, I got this band and we'd like to perform at your venue. Uh, what's your social media? Well, we have 2 million followers. Oh, 2 million followers. Come on in. Yeah. Can we come in next Friday? Great. You're booked. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, by the way, our show, we take uh, a small dog and we take a dump on its head. That's our whole show. Or do you not care what the show is? You just care about the social media numbers. And I don't always see them translate. You know, I've seen DJs from LA come to, or from Vegas come to LA and people are like, well, where, where are the crowds? Well, it's easier to click like than to, to get off the couch and show up. It is very, very much easier. That that was something we discovered when when crowdfunding was that the the translation rate of followers to people willing to give you money is about 1%. So, <laughs> exactly. I like know. what you're doing. Good luck with it. I'll be over here. <laughs> yeah. I hope you get that done. Um, it's There's an enormous gap when you start asking people to do anything. Uh, well, speaking of doing stuff, so I have been to Napa and Sonoma County, went to the Jazz Festival, I guess that you guys have up there. Yeah. And... That's about it. Went to Sonora once, which is more mining country, and then the Bay Area. So I and all these trips I've taken, you know, I've been to Yosemite, Kings Canyon, Sequoia, and there's all these farms and beaches and up to Halama. And um, I'm mean, looking to take a northern trip. So up there, they looks I saw redwoods in mm-hmm. some of the shots in the film. So and I, I it's one of my goals to if you've ever seen Disney's Soaring Over California at the California Adventure yes. Park, the old one before it was the good one let's just call it what it is let's call it what it is uh (laughs) the non-cgi shots of breathtaking california i want to visit all of them so redwood creek i think is where they're kayaking up the river uh were you in that area and or what areas up there do you recommend you know just outside of the movie outside of our other listeners just you and me i need places to go what do you got <laughs> yeah well i, I read it's it's funny i've looked at that creek in the soren over california thing and been like is that sonoma county is that marine i'm not sure exactly where it is but yeah the redwood area up there when you get up around the russian river when you're in guerneville and and um healdsburg and those those places it's amazing you follow this tiny twisting road through tiny little towns and just you know 200 foot trees all the way to the ocean you can take it it's an incredible area out there and and really really beautiful um and unfortunately getting threatened more and more by wildfires every year Mm. but yeah the redwoods the redwoods in in the russian river valley are just astonishing you you feel so small and yet a part of the world in in that kind of environment um and there's no screens anywhere and that helps (laughs) Yes, they're, you feel small, but they're helping you breathe. Yeah. So there's that. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about that weather then, because first of all, everyone says, well, we got to go shoot in LA because the weather's so gorgeous. We shoot in California. It's beautiful. You, fires were part of uh, your, I, I, I mean, it's always torture for filmmakers making an indie film because something's going to go wrong. And I love those <laughs> stories, even though they are torturous. I just love hearing them. You know, the struggle is part of the, the joy of a finished movie. But uh, this one was pretty pretty big wildfires right is no joke (laughs) yeah yeah we had the so we shot our first half in the summer of 2017 and then we were supposed to take a couple month break um and in that break 
the Tubbs wildfire in, in 2017 just came down like a monster and, and destroyed the hills surrounding Santa Rosa, which was where I'm from and where we did a lot of our shooting. And there were a couple of scenes when we went back for, for reshoots and for additional uh, shooting that like everything directly behind the camera was ash. I mean, black, it looked like you were in Mordor. And then it, the fire had stopped right at a trail and in front of us, it looked the way it had looked when we were there a few months before, but just complete devastation behind us. So it is really upsetting and, and shocking what the fires are doing to the landscape up there. It, it's just wild. And, you know, our crew that was up there had to evacuate our actors. Some of them live up there. They had to, everybody had to evacuate. Um, and that was really the first of the bad wildfire years. And it's been worse every we, year since we then. We have one already. Pacific yeah. Palisades fire is uh, yeah. <clears throat> putting ash on the both of us here in the valley, right? I mean, already. Yeah. It seems early, but um, yeah. Uh, but that's not where it ended. I was reading the press kit. Um, you know, oh, no, we're having trouble with our funding. Oh, no, our lead actor is a diva. Yeah. Uh, you won up to all that by having open heart surgery during <laughs> shooting. So. I did. Good Lord. I... Uh, well, I'm glad we're talking today. What, yes. uh, I mean, obviously that's a huge problem. What became, like, just how did that go down? Yeah, it, I, it, it's funny. It wasn't like I had a heart attack. I, I, I don't have terrible cholesterol in my 30s or anything. But um, they, a routine test revealed that I had a genetic, uh, dis, like, a, my heart was built slightly wrong. I found out. And uh, so it, it was like literally the next day I was in a, an eight hour surgery for mm. it. Um, and, you know, full out or open heart surgery where you're on the lung machine and, and intubated. And it was pretty exciting. I was in the hospital for about 10 days. We had just started our second round of, of crowdfunding, I think two days before this happened. So before we ever knew it would, would happen. And uh, my, my husband told me that when I woke up, they got the tube out of my throat. I could talk. The first thing I said was, how is the crowdfunding going? <laughs> so uh, definitely the, the having the movie to focus on was really useful because I knew I had to get back to something and get better so I could get back out there. Um, it delayed the second half of our shoot by about six months because it, it takes a while to recover, cover from that. I, I don't think I could walk a block for about a month. <laughs> so yeah, it was a, it was quite a challenge to throw in the middle of my first movie for sure. Yeah, how's the crowdfunding? Is all the cast and crew still on board? And yeah. third, has anybody, did anyone third, quit? How's, third, how's my heart? Like, yeah. Third. <laughs> well, I figured I was alive. <laughs> you, yeah, so yeah, it yeah, must've gone okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, let's talk about the, the crew then, because I interviewed Jennifer Westfall of uh, Wavelength Productions a while back when they put out the Netflix film Knock Down the House, I believe the one about mm. Ocasio-Cortez's run and all the women that ran for office in the wake of uh, 2016. And they also made Won't You Be My Neighbor? And they make a conscious effort to use mostly female cast and crew. In fact, I interviewed her and Joe Plummer, who was like another producer that she works with. And Joe's like, yeah, I'm like the guy at the productions and you had an 85 percent cast and crew made up of female or a female identifying artist so uh, truly that i mean clearly that's important to you so uh tell us uh how, why and how that came about you know it 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 was mostly intentional it, it was we were telling such a female-centered story um and it was partially that we wanted it to be a really safe feeling environment for for these young actors to 
be really vulnerable in. And we, we thought it would help to some degree in there. But also my my husband, who's the DP, he had consistently found that the women he worked with on camera teams were so much more qualified and so much farther behind in where they wanted to be in their career. They just, you know, they they were not able to move up, not given the opportunities to move up. So we just wanted to pack the crew with as many women, just not only because they're talented, but also just to give them, you know, additional credits to let them maybe move up a, a level in, in their job on, on the sets um, and, and hopefully boost them in their career. And it ended up being, I mean, it was just the most wonderful set. The guys we had were fantastic as well. We, we did have a few, but um, it was a really fun set, a really relaxed atmosphere, no ego problems, no anything. It was just a, a delight to be around those people for 14 hours a day. Yeah, and I see that uh, you know the Academy's now going to have their inclusion requirements for movies to get nominated for uh, Best Picture and other things. So I think that's good, and it's for the reason you said. Um, you know, at first I thought, well, we want to make sure we get the best person, but you you don't sometimes even know who the best person is because of the inability for them to move to the next level on on the ladder, as you exactly. said. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it starts at your level, and uh, kudos to you to like build the resumes of highly qualified people. Yeah. It sometimes people just need the opportunity, you know, and, and what are who am I, you know, I, I'm not wrestling with a hundred million dollars to make a movie. Who am I to say like, you don't deserve to be the camera operator on my film. Like that just sounds ridiculous. So it was a great, it was a great, and I mean, all of them had more experience than me. So <laughs> I was the least experienced person on that set. <laughs> And then the whole thing went through, you talked about the campaign, uh, Seed and Spark. Now, there's always a debate about what you want to do when you start a project. Ooh, Seed and Spark, Kickstarter, Indiegogo. How did Seed and Spark benefit you as the choice you went with? We really liked it specifically because they do a lot. We had never run a, a fundraising campaign before, and they do a lot of feedback for you before you release the campaign into the wild. They have specialists there that read it and look at it and say, like, here's where we think you could improve things. Here's where some different rewards might help you. And, and so we wanted that kind of tutorial as we were putting the campaigns together. And they were mm -hmm. wonderful about that. They were they're truly a great place to work with. Did you you took script notes? And, and like not script notes. Oh, okay. I was gonna not say. script notes, but notes on the campaign <laughs> on the on the. I mean, because it's a lot of writing to put together a fun a fundraising campaign, you know. And and we we definitely took notes on on content on how to sell the movie. Gotcha. Through them. Okay. I thought it was like here's what make it better before we put it up on yeah. scenes. Park. Like, what? <laughs> no. Good. Okay. If they good. had offered it, I would have listened. Yeah. I mean, well, listen. <laughs> no. I, I, actually, from what I was reading, you cast uh, two relative unknowns. They had stage credits but no uh, film credits and you you did the thing that hollywood does you had no script but you cast the actors uh in it and so how did how so how did that whole development start you looked at them were inspired by who they were or you knew what you wanted kind of how, I mean, what was the combination of things that happened to build the script? I knew the two of them already, and and I knew how they interacted together. I knew they had a really fun chemistry, um, and I thought, well, I you know, it would be to my advantage and and to the film's advantage to put this really unique pairing of people on the screen together and and see what happens. So it really developed out of they have very different personalities, and they're not 
these are not characters based on their personalities either. Um, but they, they, their energy is so different. And I just tried to find the most um, contrasting situation to put those two people into that would, would create a lot of fun and, and interest on drama. And also, I mean, the fact that they knew each other and they knew me and they didn't have a lot of a film experience meant I felt like we could skip over a lot of the, the bullshit, like they could be vulnerable day one and, and it would work. Um, and I think we captured that. I think that bet paid off. And you kept their, and you just kept their names. Yeah, everything I did, you know, it's I'm a writer first and everything I did with the script in this was catered towards making first time actors feel more comfortable in the material, making it easier for them to establish their character and understand what they're feeling in every scene. It was a different style to how I normally write, but I do think it gave them a head start on the process. Not that they needed it, they're great actors, but also just it, it helped make them feel safer. And that was my goal. Had you seen them in a show? Oh yeah, I had oh, really? seen them. Oh, okay. I had seen them both act. Yeah, oh, musicals and things, or did they do like a wait until uh, yeah, dark or something? Nicolette <laughs> has done a has done a lot of musicals. She's she's got her degree in in theater and musical theater, and um and uh, Chloe I had seen in some high school. They're both my nieces, so I had known them since they were born. Yeah, no, there was an Ellis there, so I wasn't yeah. quite sure, but you never know. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Several people have said she is my daughter, and unless I was twelve years old, I, <laughs> I, I do not accept that I one. I refute uh, that, sir. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, they're both my nieces, so I'd known them since they were born, and and I, I just knew they could do it. There was it, that that was probably the thing that. Hollywood friends tried to talk me out of the most was casting no-name actors. And there's certainly disadvantages to it. You know, you're not gonna attract VC or, or investors with no-name actors. It, it's gonna be harder to sell the movie, but I, in terms of being authentic to what the story was and making a good movie, never was a question in my mind that they were the right two people to put in this. They, I knew they were gonna be great on screen and, and I am 100% happy with how they turned out. Nicolette is a strong leader, but I think it's Chloe that has this shocking authenticity for that kind of uh, repressed, young, timid girl, but who has dreams and but stands behind those stronger yeah. than you ever see her in any other situation, which is really cool. She's got a lot of fierceness to her that, that I really love. But I mean, it's funny when now that we're seeing reviews and reactions to the movies, it's very clear that there are Nicolette people and there are Chloe people. And it really <laughs> breaks down about 50-50. And it's it's really fun to watch who is a Nicolette person and who is a Chloe person. Well, I think I said I'm a Chloe person just Yeah, you are a Chloe person. Uh, Kylie Jenner is dumb. That's, yeah. not, that's all I need. That's all I need. Uh, so, but just all the risks you took on no name actors and everything else, uh, eventually Passion River ends up being the, the name at the top of the films, Passion River Presents. Uh, so uh, what, what are they all about and how did you end up uh, working in that collaboration? Passion River is a wonderful distribution company that, that has primarily made their name in documentaries. They're a really well-respected documentary house, but they do do narrative occasionally when they get excited about something. Distribution, I mean, really the post-process was eye-opening for me. It was not something I had experience with. Um, our producers had a lot of set experience, but not a lot of post experience. So we were all sort of feeling our way through the dark for a long time. And finally, a, a friend of mine who works in in development and, and it had worked on projects my size reached out to me and was like why is your movie not out yet what are you doing what is going on and 
we were still trying to figure out how to distribute it. And so she put us in contact with a few different distributors and, and, and Passion River uh, luckily jumped on the, the film and really wanted to release it. So, you know, we were, for us, it was less about, you know, we, we need to get picked up by, you know, a24 or a big house or you know something like that and 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 have really impressive names and more you know let's some find someone who loves this project as much as we do let's let's find someone that fits in with the aesthetic of the story and really wants to tell a good story and and passion river was wonderful for that and when it comes to a video on demand release you're out there as much as uh, any other major studios project would be you know it's not like you're in fewer theaters no you're all in the same homes which is every single one (laughs) and it can be accessed by the same roku or apple tv to find the movie which i recommend there's another plug than how to get it so um then so what 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 was your film festival experience like and was it during pandemic (laughs) yeah it was short um we had just sort of started we did we premiered at the twin cities film festival in god i think october of, of 2019 and that was great and then we had coven in january of 2020 and then the pandemic hit and everything shut down and we did one virtual film festival um at really early on i think it was in april uh, or maybe May. And then it was sort of like, is this something we want to keep pursuing? You know, the film festival experience is, is so much about networking and meeting people and taking your film to these places and, and developing a community with other independent filmmakers. And, and while it's great that anybody can go to a virtual film festival, you don't have to actually be in the area. It does take, I think, some of the benefit away for the actual filmmakers and they're expensive and you never know if you're going to get in. And so it just seemed like, all right, let's pull this out and, and try to focus on getting all of our music rights in order and getting it into distribution and, and go that, that route instead. So it was short, but the two that we got to do uh, in person were wonderful. We had a great time at both of those. Yeah. So you slap the laurels on the website and off you go. Exactly. (laughs) You know, we got a couple, we got a couple. Yeah. But I'm so excited for those to come back. Like you, you talk about that camaraderie. It's like, Oh yeah. The, the lobby is full of people with, with talking movies. It just, I mean, I can't get enough of that. So I look forward to that coming back. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, once again, um, whatlieswest.com at whatlieswest. It seems pretty much everywhere there's uh, social right? such your Twitter and IG handles for yep. the film. Uh, but let me end this interview with every question I ask everybody who comes on the show. What is your favorite movie of all time? I'm going to get in trouble if I answer this honestly. Uh, I, I will give my I will give my <laughs> professional indie filmmaker not, not answer. Not by me. Nah, yeah, uh, nah. <laughs> uh, my professional indie filmmaker answer is Sex, Lies, and Videotape. You know, started the indie revolution in the '90s, and I I just rewatched it again for another podcast, and that movie has a spellbinding quality. I can't look at my phone. I can't look away from the damn screen. Like if I need to go to the bathroom, I will wait the full 90 minutes for that movie to be over because I'm so captivated by that by the acting in that film I thought about that film the other day because my girlfriend is moving in now I have two cars right I have one for like a job and then one for regular car I'm not a hot shot or anything it's just and then she's gonna bring in a car it's like do I put a third key on my keychain I immediately thought of sex lies and videotape when James Spader's talking about having too many keys too it's many like keys owned, you know it's like <laughs> I thought of that very scene just recently that's cool so yeah clearly that movie can stick with you yeah no I mean it, it, it obviously launched the career of just a phenomenal filmmaker clearly won an oscar later and uh yeah soderbergh is just a 
so glad that he didn't really retire. You know? <laughs> yeah, he's threatened it several times and he, he always comes back, but he's such an authentic filmmaker. I, 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 he doesn't always make great films, but he always makes his films. And I think that's fantastic. I always talk about Matt Damon and Clooney and Brad Pitt being the best casting of all time back in Ocean's Eleven. One of the best casting because they started off, they just don't, rely on their looks these guys are handsome they are movie stars but they've all got oscars because they just pursue interesting projects so like soderbergh and like these three guys they didn't they make bad movies but you gotta see everything they do yeah <laughs> he has the everything they do every once in a while you're gonna get once upon a time in hollywood or you're gonna get michael clayton or you know you're gonna get something genius let them all talk soderbergh's last film on hbo max with meryl streep outstanding movie uh, underseen criminally unfortunately but it has Meryl Streep which means if you're alive and she is you need to see it so <laughs> for sure yeah, let them yeah. all talk check out that one come on what was the what was the one you were gonna say what was... uh, now this is the true like <laughs> in my heart I will sit down and watch this movie at any moment it's on which is Big Trouble in Little China Jack Burton exactly Me. I mean come on that's a that's a great movie. I have watched that movie approximately five thousand times. I will probably watch it another five thousand times. Well, you know what old Jack Burton says at a time like this. <laughs> <clears throat> old Jack Burton says, "What the hell?" There you go. That was very good. <laughs> He's been, I'm not looking forward. They keep threatening the remake with uh, Dwayne Johnson. It's not allowed. <laughs> not even allowed no i because the whole thing with jack burton is he's an idiot and the rock won't play an idiot like like you have to have somebody that is not afraid to look extremely stupid and he'll look goofy <laughs> and funny but i don't think he'll agree to look dumb yeah again i went to a q a once with james hong i was like it's it's david lopan you know and so crazy. many other things james hong is in everything that's his thing he's talking about super for me i'm like david lopan david yeah <laughs> no that's a great movie uh john carpenter if you haven't seen that one too 1986 or something classic yeah all right well uh that wraps the tmg interview for what lies west follow me and uh, all of us movie guys on twitter at the movie guys facebook.com slash the movie guys we're on youtube we're on instagram all that nonsense daily jokes links articles media more interviews like this it's all out there thanks to jessica ellis do you have personal uh, plugs facebook and twitter or anything uh, you can find me on twitter at, at, at all hours of day and night at baddest mamma jamma if you want to <laughs> baddest mamma jamma yes all right for a second i thought it was at all hours of day and night <laughs> it's your twitter <laughs> handle <laughs> that may not be taken uh and as ever you can find everything we're up to also at the movieguys.net thanks jessica thanks so much movie guys <laughs>